This presentation was from UX Australia 2017, held in Sydney. For more presentations from this and other conferences, please visit uxaustralia.com.au. So my name is Inafora, and in my past life, I used to work for a signage company, designing for the physical world. For the last two years, I've worked as a UX consultant at a software consultancy called Deus. During this time, I've noticed how UX as a practice is continuing to mature. We're expanding beyond the four corners of the screen, and we're looking more into the physical world. Today, I'm going to show you how the digital and the physical beautifully intertwine together. I'll provide insights into anyone who needs more, um, more help when it comes to providing more insights into uh, signage and wayne finding. So before I begin, I'd like to show you a quick video on um, what, what we have, uh, the experiences we have with signage. It's from a show called Louis, and I'd like you to ignore the credits. Are we after midnight or before midnight right now? It's, it's before midnight, but it's also after midnight. It's always before midnight, and it's always after midnight. That's what the 6 8 5 again. It's 24 hours. Parking of vehicles only authorized if you can't park a dog or a carrot? Or is it like parking of vehicles only authorized vehicles? And then this is a green thing, but you can't tell. But it's the line is straight across. It's not even, it's not... It doesn't, it doesn't indicate that you can't do something. It's not red. It's green. If it was red, I wouldn't know what the Now put your hands up if you feel Louis' pain. Thank you. Um, let's be honest, we've all been victims of horribly confusing signage that has left us questioning our thought process um, and have potentially paid for it, literally. In the next few minutes, I'd like to focus on wayfinding and signage. Why? Well, it's important, and more than you think. When it's done well, it's the most useful thing that we don't notice. On a day-to-day -day basis, we don't think about signage, especially when it's done right. But let's picture yourself in a situation where you're in an unfamiliar environment. Let's say you're overseas, and English is not the native language and you have no Wi-Fi and no GPS. Well, this is the position that I was placed in recently. I was travelling in Italy and I decided to hire out a car with my friend. Um, putting IKEA furniture together could uh, test the relationship between a friend. Uh, a friend. Um, well, driving in Italy could do the same thing. Um, and thankfully we're still friends, but it wasn't with a few challenges. Uh, unable to mimic the drivers because they couldn't follow the road rules. Um, unable to follow the GPS because there was no internet, uh, we found ourselves physically writing down the directions and following signs. And it just reinforced how important signage is. So today, I'd like to walk over the digital meets physical and wayfinding, the three pillars, purpose, form and design, and how it can help you make effective signage and tips and takeaways. So let's get straight into it. Digital meets physical. If you were here at Carolina's talk just earlier, she was going over um, the experience, the wayfinding experience at Flinders Street Station. This is a photo that I took at Flinders Street Station just recently. And it's of a photo from, they've got currently um, refurbishments in their bathrooms. 
And what they've done is they've used physical signage to help with identifying what's happening. And they've also used what we refer to in the, phys in the, digit sorry, in the physical world as decal stickers that are mindfully placed from the location that is currently the toilets that are not working to the ones that are. In the digital sense, we would refer to this as breadcrumbs, just like we would refer to this in the physical world as breadcrumbs. When we look at the digital wayfinding experience, we can start looking at things like digital kiosks that we can see at shopping centres, or our GPS on our phones or in our cars. But what about when we start looking at other things like VR and AR? We're no longer looking at one dimension. Another example that I'd like to share with you is one that's called point signs. And it gives you a quick glimpse into how the digital and the physical marry together and show you uh, the wayfinding experience. How cool is that, right? I thought it was pretty cool. <laughs> um, as UXers, when we're designing in the digital space, one of the most important things that we need to identify is who the user is. When we're designing signs in a wayfinding experience, there's no difference. By following the same human-centered design process, you're one step closer to creating effective signage. And once you've identified who your user is, you can start looking at these three. Purpose, form, and design. I'll walk you through them individually, and then I'll show you a range of examples how they can compare when they're effective or ineffective. When we look at signs in a wayfinding experience, we look at purpose. Now, purpose will one of your the, the signs that you create will fall under one of these four, and I'll show you examples of each. Once you've identified the user and you've identified what purpose your sign is, form and design go hand in hand. You can almost look at them as checklists. The more you tick off, the more effective your signage will be. But there's always that element of it depends. And context is key. And I'll explain to you shortly. So, do you remember this sign? Well, if we start looking at this example and break it down into the three sections, when we look at purpose, it falls under directional and informational. Directional is exactly what it is. It's telling you where you're going. Whereas informational is telling you, it's kind of like real life frequently asked questions. Um, in the digital sense, it's like contextual help. When you're filling out a form and you have that little question mark on the side um, to tell you more information. Once we start looking at form, it covers off shape and location. Now what I mean by shape is what it, feel, what it is in the, the physical, what it, what, 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 what it looks like physically. This is actually one of the most important things to take into consideration because if you don't get this one right, you could potentially be um, having people either pay attention to it or completely ignore it. And what I mean by this is in the video, it was placed in a, in a location where um, it's in a tourist location. So although the shape of it looks like a traditional sign, 
you can still identify with it and go up to it and, and look at it. But what about if we change the location and it's now at an intersection where there are cars? It doesn't serve the right purpose. Sorry, it doesn't serve the right shape. But what the downfall of this sign is material. I thought this was really cool. So I did a bit of research and I started finding out that um, the material that they've used as it stands right now um, won't work for an outside environment because it's not waterproof. And something that in the digital world we don't really take into consideration, but in the physical we do. Material is really important. Um, one of the other things that I noticed was Based off that video, the, the finish that they have is gloss, which means that if you um, were outside and it's a sunny day, you could potentially be following that sign around to avoid the, um, the glare. When we look at design, it covers off everything. It covers off the contrast, the black on the white, covers off the visual hierarchy because it has the, the, the different size in the location and how far away something is. And it covers off the typography and the icons. But even though it covers off everything in the design, because it doesn't cover off the material, it's an ineffective sign. Another example that I'd like to share with you is one that I took a photo of, um, of a sign at a bookstore. It reads, accessible entrance through glass door on the left. In small font, it reads, please ask a staff member for assistance. Now, to be honest with you, I think, although it's a homemade sign, which is not that professional, but that's okay. The fact that they've actually taken the time not to only think about the user, in a way, they've, um, they've printed it out and they've put it up on, on the window, shows that there's a lot of effort behind that. But all that effort is kind of taken away from two vital things, and that's taking the user into consideration and location. And what I mean by that is the placement. I know, no. So when I stand next to this sign, the one that's on uh, the right-hand side, it's actually higher than me, which means that the intended message does not get it read by the intended user, which is really sad. <laughs> Um, so when we look at it from, <coughs> from the, three the three pillars, when we look at purpose, it goes under directional informational again. When we look at form, it covers off the shape and it covers off the material. But like I mentioned, the, the location, it just it gives it away and, it, and because of that, it actually doesn't make it, in, um, makes it ineffective. When we look at design, there's very low contrast between the red and the black. There is visual hierarchy because there is order of importance. Unfortunately, the typeface that they've used is not very legible. And what, the other thing that they've done is they've used um, uppercase rather than lowercase. And when we're reading any information, we're actually not reading letter by letter. We're reading in shapes. And to process information quickly, it's a lot easier to process information with lowercase rather than uppercase. So wherever possible, use lowercase. And they've used the universal icon, which, it, which helps. Now, do you remember that sign with the Flinders Street Station and the breadcrumbs? Well, this is a photo that I took of the functioning toilets. Um, and if we break this example down, when it comes to purpose, 
it's identification. So it tells you exactly where you are where, when, when you've reached a, a certain place. Other examples are um, conference names, um, sorry, um, uh, conference room names outside, or you've reached a train station. Examples of these um, in the digital sense are company logos or page names on a website. When we look at form, it covers off everything. It's a permanent sign with a matte finish, so it's really easy to read. The location is right outside the actual toilets, and it's accessible. It has braille on the actual sign. And what I meant by context before is that just because your sign doesn't cover off accessibility or any of the other things, by actually using that as a checklist and using it in your other ways of wayfinding, you can still make your wayfinding experience um, effective, even if your particular sign doesn't cover that one particular thing off. So if your, if your sign doesn't t tick off braille, for example, then you can use other forms like tactile on the ground instead. When we look at design, it covers off everything. It covers off the contrast between the, the, the black and the white, so you can see it from a really um, long distance. It covers off the visual hierarchy, so from afar you can actually see that they're bathrooms, and it covers off the topography and the icons. Now, do you remember this guy, uh, these guys, <laughs> and these conf confusing signs that we all get frustrated with? Well, I'd like to introduce you to a girl called Nikki. Um, she, she's awesome. She works in Brooklyn. She's a product designer. And just like Louis, she was frustrated with these signs. Um, but instead of just being frustrated and complaining about it, she actually did something about it. Um, she created To Park or To Not To Park program, where she redesigned the signs that are on the left-hand side to the ones that are on the right. Um, and she did gorilla testing. She got so much interest um, from this, the city that LA, New Haven, and in 2015, Brisbane did a pilot for three months to go over these designs. And I'm really excited to share that after having a conversation with her about what's happening now, she mentioned that um, Brisbane, as of this year, will actually implement those signs permanently as part of their wayfinding experience. Thumbs up for UX. <laughs> um, so I thought they were really great. So I decided to do the same thing for our signs in Melbourne, because I'm from Melbourne. Um, and what I noticed is that when I took this photo, I'm like, individually, these signs are really comprehensive and they're really easy to understand. But as soon as you have them lined up one after the other, that's when it starts getting complicated. And that's what she was trying to do. She was trying to eliminate that gigantic list into this one sign instead. And what I did is I did, I followed her um, design principles and I created uh, the sign that's on the right-hand side. So if we look at the sign that she, the, the, from based off her designs, if we look at that as an example for the three principles, it covers off regulatory. And in the wayfinding system, it's one of the most important signs because it tells you what you can and cannot do. When we look at form, it covers off everything. And it actually covers off one extra thing that the current signs don't do, and that's accessibility. 
after doing a few iterations, she actually received feedback from someone who's colorblind. And they were saying that, you know, the, the contrast that you have between the red and the green, it's actually really hard to see at a glance whether or not I can park there or can't park there. So after doing a few iterations, she created a pattern for the areas that you can't park. So to tie that in really nicely, she's added that extra level of contrast. She's added a very different level of visual hierarchy. So no longer are we looking at signs and thinking two hours, one hour. We're looking at what day of the week is it and what time is it rather than the other way around. She's only used one type and she's um, used the same icons <coughs> that we use everywhere else. Sorry. So based off the principles, um, this sign is actually effective in comparison to the ones that we have currently. So I've shared a lot of things, but tips and takeaways. After you've identified your user, um, you can look at these three things. Purpose, form, and design. Once you've identified what type of signage you'd like to create, do you want to direct someone? Do you want to <coughs> give them more information? Do you want to tell them where they are or warn them? You can look at form and design hand in hand and use them as a checklist. The more you tick off, the more effective it is. At the end of the day, we want to create, um, we want to give people more uh, power in their decision making. And by following these three principles, you can create a better and more effective wayfinding experience. So now that I've shared stories with you and examples, I'd love for you to share your stories with me. So feel free to connect with me. And I also um, wanted to share some of these things with you. So um, I work for a company called Dias, like I mentioned, and we are all about sharing ideas. And feel free to one of these. Um, they're Yes, so they're just right at the back. And we've got DS representatives, so um, feel free to take these. They're probably method cards, aren't they? They yes, are. Great. Yeah, sorry. Method That's cards. all right. Thank you very much. That was Thank a really you. great talk. We hope you enjoyed this presentation from UX Australia 2017. For more presentations from this and other conferences, please visit uxaustralia.com.au.